0: Hello bonsai friends and welcome to episode 15 of the Bonsai Southeast podcast. I'm Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai and this time I'm joined by Mike Lane. How are you doing today, Mike? Hey guys. Uh and Carmen uh Lesgo Vankowski uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh she's not here to, to correct me today unfortunately. Uh, for mike you want to follow mike you can go find him on instagram facebook and you can go to his website kitsune bonsai did i get it right today
1: yeah kitsuneboneside.com.
0: Kitsuneboneside.com. go find mike on instagram and facebook under the same name as well um and the podcast is really close we're getting close to merch uh me and mike were actually kind of discussing that but we will have some fun t-shirts ready for you guys to purchase in our store coming up pretty soon but if uh, you don't, well, I don't want to go into that. Uh, one of the things I do need to mention is uh, we did start up our Patreon. Uh, so if you go to Bonsai Southeast Podcast on Patreon, you can subscribe for just one dollar to help support the show, and you can become one of our Bonsai Buds. So basically, there you get to be put. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we 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 kind of like that that name. We we might be thinking about doing something with that name uh, later on. Uh, no spoilers or anything. We're just going to keep that a secret for now. But anyway, so become a Boneside Bud and we will take any listener questions that you may have and uh, discuss them on air. And also we'll give you a shout out at the beginning of one of our episodes. Um, Just a little thing we would like to do for anyone that supports the show. But if you can't do any of those things and you just want to listen for now, that is good. That's good enough. And thank you very much. So uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, art versus craft so what you think about art versus craft and bonsai just a light note mike
1: um well this is something i i, I a light notes tough man um mm-hmm. i think oh, we got some is, deep dives but yeah yeah um i think that uh, i'm i'm having a, a rude awakening recently and having to kind of swallow some humble pie in um some of my ways of appreciating bonsai i'd say yeah, for, I mean, I'm sure you know, Evan, and for anybody who's worked with me in the last few years knows that I'm pretty adamant about the fact that bonsai is more akin to like a martial art or a craft, uh, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, recently I've, I don't know, know—I've new information has recently swayed my opinion and made me kind of rethink some of those opinions.
0: Oh, so... New new stuff, uh, some new insights from Mike. I, I mean, me and Mike have had long, long conversations about uh just, you know, uh, what would you say, wisdoms and uh influences from art and how how the craft is the most important, like you said, I mean, hours of
1: conversation about
0: those types oh, yeah. of things. So and I
1: still I still like largely, you know, we'll get into that. I largely still believe that. But I, I don't know. I've seen some things recently and have made some reassessments of some previous trees and some previous artists. And I do think that, you know, there is a way to practice this that's very artistic. And I think there's a way to practice this that's very rigid and traditional and, you know, craft based
0: yeah I, I agree uh let's let's talk about something that that's a little off the path for a second like uh how about we just talk about regular visual artists and where are our, our favorite things lie and our you know where's our influences coming from so uh so as far as a classical style visual artist it could be painting it could be sculpture or anything uh who's your favorite classical visual artist mike
1: uh, probably Salvador Dali. I've okay. really, you know, always been really drawn to his work, and it's uh, it's troubling in a way. Like his work, really, I don't know. I don't always love it, and that taught me a lot about art. So, it, even though you don't love something, you're constantly thinking about it and mulling it over in your head. You know, it was that an effective art piece? And so, Dali is one of those guys that there's several pieces of his that I find troubling. You know, deeply unsettling to my core. <laughs> And, uh, and I, I just keep going back to him, you know, I can't get enough of him.
0: Yeah. And, uh, he definitely has a lot of inward, like looking inward into like human, uh, was it not existence, but the human condition and human experience. He has a lot of introspective stuff like that. Uh, and also Dolly's like kind of little eerie wide landscape shot kind of stuff like blank, like future scapes like that stuff has a lot of great line work a lot of good texture in it uh so yeah i could see he could be a great influential artist and i could see some stuff relate to bonsai with dolly but uh but yeah he's definitely on another level of of getting in your head kind of artist there
1: yeah Yeah. he's um you know that's one of my favorite artists and i have a lot of uh, other contemporary artists you know i was raised on anime and manga and comic books and all that. So,
0: yeah. So for, for my classical, I'm glad you said the, the anime and uh, manga stuff too, cause that's good. <laughs> like that we kind of, we line up with that obviously, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, my, my favorite classical artist would be Casper, David, uh, Frederick. He did a piece that was uh, very influential on me. Uh, I was taking, uh, art history class back when I tried college out, uh, <laughs> But it was—it's the—the uh, piece with the Abbey. Um, the piece is called—I had it brought up because I didn't want to get the name wrong. It's called Abbey in the Oak Forest. So if you guys go online and just kind of Google that really quick, you'll probably see why I dig that painting so much. Uh, there was just a what way. What's the name again? Uh, let's see. It's called uh, Abbey in the Oak Forest. A B B that many bees a b b e y in the oak forest uh it was an old oil on canvas painting
1: oh yeah I can, yeah that's
0: and it, that's that painting blew my mind because of the way that uh that frederick painted trees if you look at some of his other works uh and obviously the guy that paints like really interesting trees is going to catch my eye but uh some of his trees really uh, are really like invocative of of like, uh just like that that isolation and and almost that melancholy melancholy, kind of gothic kind of weird feel to his paintings make make me kind of, you know, get on board with like what he's got going on in his in his uh, his style. and the uh, I, I think one of the things too is the fact that he's he's a German expressionist is kind of where one of my one of my favorite art movements lie. And it's just so much dark and so much dark with a light contrast in those pieces. Uh, Yeah. You know,
1: it's, it's weird. Like what I notice in it is um, basically like there, it's hard to describe, like the blackness is almost darker than the blackness. You know, there's like, Oh yeah. He's playing with several shades of of black. It would seem like, and uh, very interesting.
0: Yeah. It just pushes it further and further back into this void that you, can only imagine in your mind, like, you know, and so like with the trees and the way that they're, they're like broken off and they show ancient trees. This guy looked at trees. He loved trees in a sense. He might've been a pretty good bonsai artist. If he, (laughs) if that would have been relevant to him, uh, Germany now has great bonsai now, but back in the, back in this time was like 18, uh, maybe 1700s. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a little bit different, I'm sure. But anyway, so Mike, uh, what what do you like as far as contemporary visual arts? You mentioned anime and manga.
1: Um I mean I'm not limited honestly. I what you know, I really it's hard for me to pinpoint what kind of art really sets me on fire because I notice new things all the time. It's almost like I really value somebody putting in a sacrifice into whatever they're trying to make. Like I love when they work to such a high level that it's almost self destructive. And I hate to say that, you know, but, um, certain, uh, pieces, certain pieces of artwork, you know, certain artists that I've, I've read about. Um, I really like that aspect of like pushing yourself to the hardest. So it could be anything. I mean, I've held pocket knives that I felt like, wow, this is a work of art. And, um, and I've also seen graphic design that I've fallen in love with. I've fallen in love with book covers, uh, so it it's hard to pinpoint. You know, I I guess I could say like going back to the anime and manga thing is that's very much uh, formative for me. Uh, but what kind of art is going to spark joy in me, visual or otherwise? It's I I don't even know that anymore. So
0: there's not any particular artists that stand out to you or anything?
1: Yeah, I can name some. There's one of the guys that I really loved, uh, a manga artist. uh, I'm going to forget his name now. Takahiko Ano. And uh, he did a a saga, a manga called Vagabond. And in it, he basically Hmm. did a lot of sumi and uh, watercolor paintings. And it like correlates to the life and adventures of Miyamoto Musashi. And just the way that he kind of did these contemporary sumi paintings you know it, it was very interesting to me that was something that was very pivotal on me um mobius is a, a french mm. comic book artist love I me really some
0: love. mobius he inspired some of my favorite artists
1: yes dude yeah i love mobius um what else Um uh, uh cal cal uh yokoyama i think his name is Cal yokoyama he basically does like you know lots of robots and mechs and things mm-hmm. like that uh but you know i don't know i mean i could go on forever frank miller uh yep frank miller's know, solid yeah
0: yeah like so, a little bit more on the edgy graphical side but yeah he's he's got some good uh well it's frank frank miller did 300 right
1: he did, he did yep. that, he did Sin okay. City he Sin did City, a lot of,
0: uh... yeah he's pretty grungy I like the, I like his style um, Yeah it's cool Yeah for my contemporary artist and style uh, I do like how you mentioned people who kind of push beyond the limits uh, makes me kind of think about like performance art too um, mm-hmm. I saw this really awesome documentary on uh, I'm going to probably butcher her name because I'm terrible at pronouncing names uh, Marina Abermovic um she's she's a performance artist uh they did a they have a documentary about her that just came out recently but her one of her biggest pieces that she did that was very uh i guess kind of made her open and uh just basically like humanity like no, no like she was being what's the what am i looking for <sighs> whenever you're open and you just let people in kind of what's a good word for that
1: Oh, um, oh man, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Unless...
0: <laughs> but, but anyway, so the she had did this piece called the artist is present. And I thought that was really cool where she just sat at a table at, in an art gallery and, and she invited people to come in one by one and sit directly across from her and just look at her and there would just be silence. And, uh, it's a very rousing piece because, uh, she became a reflection to, of these people, as they sat there and they looked at her, and people would get emotional, start start crying, or start hysterically laughing, uh, and it was just a very touching piece because it just showed, uh, yeah, like the reflection of, you know, this is a person, but you start to break it down in your mind uh, as yeah. you as you looked into her eyes, and I thought that was a really cool piece, and so she's a really cool uh, performance artist, but yeah, as far as also like. Manga style, yeah, dude. I definitely dig uh like Mobius. He he inspired one of my other favorite uh uh contemporary like comic graphic comic book graphic uh and uh graffiti artists, uh Brandon Graham. He did the he did some of the the profit comic book series. If y'all haven't seen that, check it out. It's very like very okay. Mobius style. It's got you know the bubbly graffiti, but it's got like some flat texture to it, but it's also highly detailed lots of little things that you had look for lots of line work i really dig stuff at line work uh yeah, me too it also reminds me of uh graffiti style i don't want to be i'm not cheesy about it i don't want to be like banksy's my favorite but like banksy is good but i i like jim Mafood uh better yeah uh if you ever heard of jim Mafood? uh uh-huh. uh you look him up he's on instagram that dude's got some great uh work he does a lot of splashy style graffiti ink mixed with oil mixed with acrylic. sometimes he does his stuff on cardboard sometimes he does his stuff on like washed uh paper so it gets different colors like yellow. it's like this yellowish kind of color. Uh, his stuff is really tight. Uh, and then yeah, yeah I would I would say I'm also heavily influenced by the uh mech anime genre uh you know uh neon Genesis being obviously a great anime. <laughs> Uh, Very retro throwback, but also stuff like like uh, Akira, Bubblegum Crisis, and uh,
1: yeah, and don't forget FLCL.
0: Oh, Fully Cooley, yeah, (laughs) dude. There's some there's some really good stuff out there. I mean, I mean, I'm currently going through some anime right now, catching up on stuff that I really like. Uh, and there's a I, don't, Mobis... I, I
1: personally, I don't admit to my fiance that I watch any anime or any of that. Oh,
0: you're just secret weeboo. I mean, th- I think I wait, all... I
1: wait till she goes to bed. <laughs> this is for the after hour. Yeah, it's after hour stuff. Sometimes yeah. she catches me, and I look so guilty. And for anybody <laughs> outside looking in, they would be like, "What is he watching?" You know. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. It's not just the late night show. No, it's just anime. <laughs> It's yep. I mean, I think
0: a lot of people who get into bonsai are also secretly like weeboo, like like old Japanese art, but also like manga and uh, and anime. You know, you most of those people out there listening, you know, I know I know who you are. You, you like some anime,
1: just admit well, it. Um. <laughs> going back to the bonsai thing, though, too, it's like you you kind of hit a nail on the head is, is a lot of people who are into bonsai are also deeply invested in the Japanese culture. And I honestly ask myself why all the time. Like, why, why is that? What is it about the Japanese culture that seems to have those people gravitate towards it? You know, I think that plays into how we appreciate the art as a whole. You know, my, my theory is it goes to that, that wabi-sabi is we're all, even if we don't know the word, you know, we're drawn to that, that balance that, uh, that melancholy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: there is something with Japanese uh, culture and also old school kind of scroll uh, paintings and stuff that make that makes that kind of dwell up in my mind is like the, the really great use of negative space, the really great mm-hmm. use of minimal color palettes, uh, just stuff yeah. like that. Uh but yeah, the the kind of draw towards Japanese culture too is I mean high efficiency, <laughs> uh great great technology and, and stuff like that. I mean, they have a lot going on, uh, and they get really deep with uh with their tradition and and uh and theories about life and stuff. I like that a lot. But yeah, but let's go into into bone size stuff a little bit more, back to what the podcast is kind of about. But I do like kind of veering off. It uh kind of breaks the the uh, I guess the monotonous bonsai this bonsai that, yeah, but anyway, this is a bonsai podcast. So, uh, who is your favorite traditional bonsai artist?
1: Hmm. Um, honestly, I'd I'd have to say probably Juan Andrade. Um, hmm. uh, you know, I, I think uh, there's other guys that I could argue are maybe maybe better or whatnot. I'm not sure, but, uh, those guys, I'm not as familiar with their work or their philosophy behind their work. Uh, Juan Andrade, I think, uh, really understands the, the mental game that we're playing in bonsai and has really brought teaching, uh, that mentality to the forefront better than anybody else I've really seen. You know, I've never heard anybody, before him talk about trees the way he talks about them and explain the physiology uh, and what we're trying to do as well as he does. It's, it's interesting, like you spend an afternoon with that guy and you will have a better understanding of why we're doing bonsai than anyone else, you know, in my opinion. Hmm. So uh, he's my favorite kind of traditional one. He's uh, very much taught me a lot about value of age In bonsai, about moshikomi, about these traditional aspects that, you know, to me, I've extrapolated a lot of my beliefs based off the few things I've heard him say. And so, one of those things is like that everything we do in bonsai should be not for aesthetic purpose necessarily, but first and foremost to ensure that the tree grows to be of old age. That's the first and foremost. So, aesthetics don't matter if your tree dies and five years. Mm-hmm. What matters is if your design is, it has the longevity to last 200, 300, 400 years. And that's something that, you know, Juan really in, in, instilled in me. Yeah. Uh, I
0: do know conversations like that have come up about longevity in trees. I really, that has really struck me too. Uh, and it's it's funny to know that that echoed from, uh, from Juan like that. Because, um, I mean... I find myself, like we talked on one of the previous episodes, I was, talk, I was like find myself making designs that will last longer, um, that will see the test of time, because, I mean, you have to do things like cut back and readjust and reangle the tree and stuff. And if you have a defined, good, lasting design, the tree will have more, like you said, like more longevity in bonsai. You won't have to just scrap it because, I mean, it's not, you know, it's too pigeonholed on one design or one thought or one uh one concept of what it could be um so i think that i'm getting a little uh a little out there with it uh but sorry yeah but uh yeah i was i was trying to think about classical artists that i like and i was just thinking about like the classical i I mean kind of more like the the trifle the trifecta, the triforce of classical American Japanese bonsai artists. I was feeling inspired by more, uh, namely, uh, like Ben Oki. I don't want to just go in and say like John Naka and be like, you know, that's like the guy who's like Optimus Prime is my favorite transformer. But like, uh, but yeah, Starscream Ben Oki is my favorite, you know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, no, I, I liked Ben Oki's work a lot. Um, obviously, he was very old school i have i want to learn to appreciate appreciate the the more old school approach i know it was early like early works of of what bonsai would evolve into in american bonsai culture but they, i loved that they were the pioneers of what i want to understand now and it's almost like i want to go in and kind of what is that whenever you take something And you just kind of reconstruct it from from front to back instead of trying to move forward again. So I want to kind of break down like how he approached trees, because his his approach was a lot more of a rugged freeform style. But his cleanup detail wiring on his branches and his uh, refinement were very good. Um, And. And he made one of my favorite little little bonsai that I uh, I got to visit at the Pacific Bonsai Museum. is that little Chinese hackberry he did with the split trunk. Um, yeah, I mean it's not, and I think that's one of the things too is I'm, I'm more into, you know, good bonsai, but I'm not I'm not looking for the bar to be set so high that it's like a great amazing bonsai. I like something that has mochikome in the fact that it came from rudimentary stock because that tree. I love the story that that it was attached to that tree was that it was a tree that was growing growing too close to his house. He cut it down, it grew back, and then he was like, man, screw this little tree, dug it out of the ground, kept it for a little while, and ended up being more attached to it. It was like, oh, this is actually not a decent, uh, not a bad little piece of material here. and He made it into a really great, remarkable uh, hallmark of American bonsai. Uh, but I'm sure there's other good trees out there, uh, that he's done, but yeah, I did find, uh, Benoki to be, uh, inspiring as a teacher, uh, uh, honestly. Um, and he has one of my favorite, uh, bonsai artist quotes. Uh, there was something, uh, my buddy Mark showed me a while back. There was this, there was a karate kid version of one of the movies you could get in the DVD. It was an earlier printing of it and had like this interview, with Benoki, where you go like take a tour of his he took a tour of his garden and he was like just talking about you know bonsai and what it is to him and what he's doing with it and blah blah but he drops this line in there that i thought was really uh really charming uh it's just really short and sweet it was art and relax this is bonsai just art and relax yeah. and i'm like oh dude that's that's exactly how i want to <laughs> think about it <laughs> so uh but yeah uh oh yeah and yeah, I'm, I, I, run, I forgot to mention roy uh Takanoshi, he was, yeah, the other triforce member, but anyway, go ahead.
1: yeah, those uh, definitely always good to pay respects to those that have come before us. And um you know a lot of times things come full circle, and some of what was in vogue uh, back when they were doing Bonsai will come back into vogue again, you know, uh, so yeah. we'll see we'll see what the future of Bonsai holds, and uh, it's but, yeah. It's
0: fun to see people looking back. Uh, I even find old publications of uh, the California Bonsai Society, like mm-hmm. the early ones where you see Binoki and John Naka's works, and you could see how they started. A lot of those trees. Uh, I found an older one where Goshen was in, an uh, early issue in like the 60s. I was like, no way. I just mm-hmm. thought it was really cool. So, yeah, who's your contemporary bonsai? I think I know the answer to this, uh, but
1: who's your contemporary bonsai? artist
0: you like, Mike?
1: Um. I mean, I gotta, I gotta first, like, always throw out a big shout out to my teacher Eric Weiger. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think he's uh has the mentality of what bonsai is better than anybody else. Um, but as far as ar- artistic style trees, uh, I would say Min swan Lo is my absolute favorite. I'd say he's the champ in my mind. Um, And like I I went ahead, I shared my screen to kind of show you one of his trees that I don't know if you can see it, but that's a sea hibiscus. And I know obviously people won't be able to see this, but we can kind of describe it. And one of the things that this tree I've studied for 15 years. So this tree I've looked at and looked at again and again and again and really tried to study it. And uh, I started out first hating it and not realizing why it was a good tree. and then slowly started falling in love with it and then wondering why I fell in love with it. Um, Mm -hmm. This has, this tree has probably had more impact on how I grow trees than any other specific tree. Uh, I feel that it breaks all the rules and is still beautiful. And that's why I love it is I always show this in PowerPoints. And I ask people if you had this tree in your collection, regardless of the fact that it has reverse taper bar branches uh, you know, poor taper in certain areas, regardless of reverse taper. Um, But nobody would throw this tree out of their garden. There's not a person out there that would be like, oh, that tree's too ugly for me. Everybody would look past it and say, that's an amazing tree. And so we have to kind of ask ourselves, and that's why I study this tree so much, is why? Why? This is the point where it becomes art. You know, I don't have a great answer for that. I don't have a great answer why this tree uh has terrible taper and still looks so effective mm-hmm. you know and no so, I, I agree you with know. you on it on yeah
0: looking at this tree i've seen this tree quite a few times is this one of his well might well
1: uh more well-known trees yeah it is it's one of his more well-known sea hibiscus trees uh, okay one of his more like avant-garde pieces uh, um
0: For the listeners who want to go look up uh, Minlow, you can look up uh, Minlow sea hibiscus Uh, and you're going to be looking for a tree that has kind of almost it's like almost a semi-cascade feel to it, Um, but it's it's in a uh, unglazed round and it's got a very chunky twisted trunk and uh, yeah, I do agree with Mike on it. It does break a lot of rules. I see branches doing a whole bunch of things that you wouldn't expect in a, in different styles, especially it feels like a meshing of different styles as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see a lot of quote unquote flaws with this, but at the end of the day, they're all beautifully meshed together into this, like you said, an on bot on guard kind of fashion where you get past all that and you see that, that, that ramification of those branches. Oh my God. You know, like, uh, yeah. And the way he's used that to beautifully scoped, sculpt, sculpt in that that silhouette of it, that, uh, that form onto the tree. I mean, it, it, it is, it kind of, it kind of makes you look at it and you have to keep on looking and keep on seeing what's going on in there.
1: Well, yeah. And I, and I feel like he, he also has trees that like one of the things he said in some of his articles and uh, I was lucky enough to work with him a couple of times uh, hmm. But one of the things that he said that really stuck with me was that too much consistency is just as boring as a straight line. So, uh, you know, we're commonly told in Japanese bonsai or traditional bonsai, rather, that whatever the trunk does, the branches should do. You know, if it twists this way, it should twist that way and everything should be harmonious. Hmm. Uh, Min Lo comes from a different cultural background where instead of Shintoism and Zen Buddhism, you have Taoism and yin and yang. And so he's a strong believer in creating yin and yang in your trees and having areas that are straight and boring and then areas that are exciting and full of, you know, movement and twists. And so what he creates are these trees that are hard to pin down. You know, they're definitely one of a kind and certainly bridging that that gap between art and and skill or art and craft, rather. I, I definitely agree. Yeah, Min Lo is...
0: Uh... Somebody, I do want to invest a little more time into uh, just studying more of his designs. Uh, you know, lucky, lucky for me, uh, a good bonsai bud of mine works heavily with sea hibiscus, so we can keep learning about this species
1: together. You know, he's the reason why I, I even took an interest in sea hibiscus. So, yep, for sure, it's it's an awesome species. I'm glad you introduced
0: me to him too. Uh, but before we break off into, we could talk about sea hibiscus on another episode. And why they're so great. Sure. Uh, but yeah, for uh, my contemporary bonsai artist uh I'm, and I'm not saying this because just because I did an interview with him earlier on another episode or I might bring him up every once in a while but uh I don't know what it is but I really enjoy Harry's work, Harry Harrington, uh from the UK. Uh he was one of the first guys that I really started to follow uh back when he re- he started really uh getting his I guess his blog posting website up and going. Uh, it was fun to kind of watch his, his style evolve as I got more into it. And, uh, I was just, I was just really into the way that he did kind of how I described earlier with the binoki thing, rugged wild, but his, his technique to his, his branch, branch placement and his, his refinement to his branches were very nice. Um, and he's, he's also more of a deciduous guy. So there was a lot of, there's a lot of decisions that I wanted to make with my trees earlier on to try to make them more like his trees uh whereas harry's trees kind of taught me you don't have to have big chunky gnarly trunks to have a beautiful deciduous tree so most of his trees are taller skinnier elegant uh lots of elongated branches but uh like we were talking about Minlo a second ago that branch might come out off of a curving trunk but it's not straight it doesn't just swoop straight down there's little intricate movement in that branch and then stacked on those branches are your each part of your pats. And so, uh, kind of like call back to, instead of seeing fishbone work on his branches, you see very nice, intricate work. Um, and then the, the, just, I was always into the really dense, uh, structures on his trees. And so that's, that's part of the reason why. And then another reason why too, is that, uh, Harry puts a little bit more of the grunge, I would guess you could say, in his boneside that I really appreciate. He does a lot of collaboration with uh with boneside potters, namely uh Thor.
1: Yeah. Uh I
0: can't remember his last name and also uh Thor Villa. Yeah, Thor Villa. I know you guys carried a lot of their pots at Weigert's and uh well, a lot of his. And then it was also Aaron Aaron Boneside Pottery Studio that he did work with as well. And uh and seeing Harry ask for these commissions from these bonsai potters and then putting the pairing him, pairing them well with his trees also kind of felt like it elevated my appreciation and my view for, for bonsai with that too. Cause I wasn't just looking at classical bonsai all the time. Obviously we all, we all want to get into bonsai and do something a little bit different. We want to break, we want mold breaking stuff, but I liked how Harry brought it back to earth with traditional forms on less traditional compositions, I guess is the best way to say it. Um
1: so what do you yeah, I mean for sure. And I like that that grungy aspect, you know, I do like the uh that's I mean, my teacher's covered in tattoos, you know, he's uh listens to heavy metal music all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm drawn to that kind of, you know, style. But uh yeah. you know maybe now's a good time to plug our our upcoming con- uh contemporary artists Evan
0: oh yeah uh, yeah yeah speaking the, of going against the grain and doing some stuff that is just completely uh avant-garde out there would be um would be Laurent or uh Daru yeah Laurent Daru yeah he's he does uh what he calls Burton style um and he's Published a couple of books. I think he's got co- uh, Cosmic Bonsai. Is there just issues one and two of it? Is there a name for those books other than that?
1: Yeah, no, just Cosmic Bonsai one and two. Yep. Uh, pretty soon uh,
0: we're getting it together. I know he's about to do his uh, U.S. tour, and uh, and Mike was. Am I right to say that the books will be available for the first time here in yeah, the states? Yeah,
1: the books. The books right currently right now there's there's a limitation where. You can you can order the books to the United States right now, but for some reason it's fifty dollars shipping from France. So you're going to spend fifty dollars on the book plus fifty dollars shipping, and so um, we're actually going to be carrying his book. Uh, we're going to basically get the cost to around sixty dollars for U.S. residents. So all, all said and done, you know, so that's uh, what we're really working towards is that way people can don't have to invest a hundred dollars per book and uh, still yeah. enjoy his work. So people can
0: start digesting his work because, um, you can look up his stuff online and see some of the stuff he's doing, but I feel like his books will, will uh, once they make their way around and, and they start getting the hands of in, in bonsai prac like, you know, people who want to practice bonsai and follow this, this new, this new kind of weird, but also very, uh, like we were saying, like, uh, or he's technical but he's not so far out there you, you told me he was uh he's traditionally trained as well so you can see it in the branch work
1: yeah he's won he's won the tons tons of awards for his uh, contemporary artwork you know he was awarded a, an award by kimura at a bonsai show in europe um, so his contemporary stuff is great as well but why i'm really drawn to him is that he lived in taiwan and studied with Lo and studied mm-hmm. with some of the other top growers in taiwan and really learned a lot about the these avant-garde shapes that i was just speaking of about that menlo does you know he's really has these just trees that you can't put your finger on you know they're their artwork they're they're bordering on that one of a kind you'll never remake that tree again and uh, i don't know for me that he's one of the reasons after reading his books are several of the reasons why i have to say it, i have to eat a little humble pie and and kind of say <laughs> that that maybe that there is an artistic interpretation to some degrees of bonsai. And I can't argue that, you know, this can't be pursued in that way. Um, his trees and more so his, his compositions are highly artistic and highly thought provoking and uh, have really made me kind of reassess how I use diorama myself, how I display my trees and what, you know, what I want to do as an artist.
0: That that kind of brings us to our next topic, um, and I wanted to kind of just put this one out here. This is where this could get a little deep, uh, is how to make the art happen in bonsai. So we get to the craft level where we, we get to a lot of technique, and we do a lot of things that are going to set the tree up um, for a successful, you know, you know, grow, cut, Cut here. Get this branch uh, uh thickened up so we can start doing refinement. But where do we stop the traditional form and introduce the art? How does that happen? How do you think?
1: Well, I've done. A, I've been thinking about this a little bit recently. And my my kind of theory um, is that we maintain traditional techniques, um, but the first thing starts with the concept. I think like to introduce art or to create this as art is you first got to come up with a unique concept. And then the next part is executing that with all of our traditional techniques that we have available to us. So, you know, that's one of the things that that makes Lorentz artwork stand out is he had a concept. His concept is growing trees that could never exist in the real world. That's the concept. So now how do we execute that? What are, what are our guidelines going to be to execute a tree, that does not exist in the realm of reality. Um, and you know that's to me that's that's very much the artistic approach of this is conceptualization and execution and whether your message has been received is whether that was an effective piece of art. You know but again I've I've only recently been really thinking about this so my my views and my outlook on this could change again. Yep. You know?
0: And that's why we uh that's why we're going in and we're going to talk more and more about bonsai as time goes on, because I would love to go back and hear our opinions on this uh, mm-hmm. on a later date. But yeah, getting bonsai to feel less, I guess, contrived or fit uh, fit into a box, uh, how to make it feel like when you're going to a, through a bonsai show, it, there's got to be a tree that you, you're walking past all these really high level trees and then there's one tree that makes you second glance, like take a second look. And then maybe there's, there's that tree that not only gives you makes you do that second, that like second glance at it, but then you you're stuck there in a trance. Um, and if that's something that you're looking for in a bonsai, maybe take note of a tree that makes you feel that way. Maybe that's the art side that we're looking for, but also there is the, the discussion to have is like like you said with the execution of of a certain feeling or a certain composition to the piece because that is one of the things that like with uh, laurent does is he doesn't use typical accents for his trees like kusamonos he uses uh it was uh, that Australian artist Woods, Ashley Woods.
1: Yeah, Ashley Woods. Robots.
0: He uses those little robots, and they kind of give you a different retro kind of feel, like a retro futurism feel to the the trees. And then the trees themselves kind of fit into like almost a fantasy, like because uh, you mentioned uh, Mobius earlier, and I was like, if there was
1: anything that made me think of Mobius style, it'd be kind of how Laurent that's funny you say that because Mobius was one of his, uh, his inspirations as well. Uh, So, Oh my God. Yeah. So that's funny that you say that, but yes. And you know, the robots too, it's normally you and I have had conversations about this. Normally I'm not into the, the Kishi side of it. I don't want to see, you know, uh, a plastic deer on my, my tree drinking water. It's just not my style. Um, Mm -hmm. But the way he uses these robots is, A, these robots themselves are little works of art, and B, uh, the, conceptu- the conceptualization of everything from the stand to the kakamono, the scroll, to the, the shaping of the tree, to what the figurines are trying to tell. He's really executing the Japanese tradition of uh, diorama. I mean, that's really what, what uh, display is. You know, mm-hmm. we forget it, but display is just diorama, and yeah. so, so it's a, it really is an eye opener. You know, and it, and also does show that we can create our diorama in a number of different ways, and and kind of change the whole theme of of the art.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Something I have jotted down for this is uh, mentioning the diorama of it is, is all the art just in the tree it needs to be also in the stand in the the accent kusamono, or scroll that we choose um and it doesn't have to be you know like the the robot figurine or uh they got he has that one uh composition he put together with had the atomic cloud in the back right. of uh yeah. uh we don't have to go with that style that that's not the future that's not the futurism bonsai stuff that you have to kind of stay within. When we're talking about do art, we're talking also about uh, there's, who's the uh, the bonsai artist? Uh, is it creation bonsai artist uh, Maria?
1: Maro Maro Stemberger. He's not, Italian.
0: No, uh, no, he's Italian. There's another one. Her, it's a it's a female artist. Uh, her name is Marja. Oh. oh, I know who you're
1: talking about, Marija Hajic.
0: Yeah, that's it. I'm sorry. Uh yeah, she did a a tree uh she did a composition where she showed a tree and uh and she showed one of her I think it was an olive, it might have been an olive on a uh on like a crushed barrel. It was like an oil barrel that she found on the side of the road on the way to the show that she was going to show the tree at. It was a regional uh show like this is like one of those those you know i don't know i'm not familiar with how their shows work over there but it would be like equivalent to like nationals here and uh she on her way to her show she picks up this barrel she said it was the perfect texture perfect size perfect feeling what she wanted for her tree and she instead used that as her stand so that that kind of puts more of the art in it and uh and instead ask the why why would you do that and and uh That that I think that's where the art starts to come out is like, why did she choose that stand? I can see it. I can see why it's beautiful, but but what's the thought behind it? Does it what what is this going to evoke? You know, and the trees themselves are already highly textural. They're all Mediterranean style trees. I mean, they come, they grow out of rocks, so they're rough and crushed and and all kinds of crazy uh elemental factors come into those trees when they work with them. Uh but yeah, I think. Thinking outside of the box sometimes, uh, but still maintaining a little, maintaining a little bit of tradition. Maybe you don't want to use a a crushed piece of metal as your stand, but uh, I think one of the one of the things that could be really spiced up in bonsai, in my, in my opinion, is getting good pottery, good bonsai pottery, and also uh, and ex- more experimental accents or kusamono. It, it could be a live kusamono, but Uh, go in more with what you, what, what you would see, like, let the, the, the tree paint the picture. And if the tree tells you that this Kosomono is something crazy stringy, like I know there's this really awesome, uh, spiral grass out there literally grows like a pigtail over and over. And it comes out of this pot that maybe is elevated, like, I like Lawrence, uh, drawings that he's done where you see like the elevated pieces where they're hanging uh like a hanging gardens looking thing on it on like a metal pole or like on a chain or something you know like that could we could start seeing playing around with that you know and uh i've heard there's some other bonsai artists that are experimenting uh what was there was that one that showed up at the artisan show it was in a vacuum cleaner they had that tree as well and it called back. Yeah, I'm
1: not, you know, and see, that's the thing is that's what I worry about is, and I guess that's art is, uh, some of it's I'm going to hate and some of it I'm not going to necessarily like. So, um, yep. you said it was a tree and a vacuum cleaner, right?
0: Yeah, that's, uh, you guys, uh, listeners out there look up like, uh, artisans cup and you can art- artisan's it. cup, the artisan's cup. I'm sorry. Artisan's cup, uh, Hoover vacuum bonsai. And it's this. I can't remember what exactly what species is. I think it's a spruce or something, but yeah, it's this tall, skinny, lanky tree coming out of like a vintage vacuum cleaner. It's, it happened years ago, but it's still, it still comes up in conversations a lot. Uh, But yeah, when you look at that tree, there's a lot of stuff that makes you hate it. Um, But uh, the artist was calling back to a art style that, that was big in the early 1900s called uh, Dada. You know, like Dirt Champ would have been, would have been uh, the artist that I think it was a callback to, and I think Bonsai is on its way to that. But that one, that one does push push the envelope pretty aggressively.
1: Well, and I think you know, <clears throat> you can also argue like, at what point, like, is that even bonsai art? I mean, it's art, yes, and uh, but I guess. My point being, sorry, I have a cat on my back. Uh, but my point being is that some of these, if we stray too far from the concept of what bonsai is, then it turns into something else. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's why I think uh, one of my, my recent thoughts has been how to make contemporary bonsai art, how to move the art forward without losing the identity that it has. Yeah. You know, so... Because I do love Dada movement. I, I think that's an, a really cool interesting uh, way to look at art and I as soon as you said that I automatically had a better appreciation for the piece but yep. um, you know when you think about like the what bonsai, what lens Bonsai is supposed to be viewed in uh, as Bonsai, then if you if you deviate too far from the lens then it becomes something else entirely you know.
0: Yeah. Where do you, where's the blurred line between pushing the envelope so far that it's no longer bonsai, which translates to, uh, like planting in a tray. You go from planting in a tray to a piece of twisted metal with a, with a dried out tree branch in it. You know how, you know, you get really, you can get really far away from that for sure. Yeah. You
1: can, you can. And I think, my own, my own personal belief is that to, to still maintain the feeling of bonsai, you still have to treasure the philosophy of wabi-sabi. If you deviate too far from wabi-sabi, then you will lose the essence of bonsai. It yeah. won't be bonsai anymore. It will be something else. And so what does that mean, leaving the essence of wabi-sabi? Uh, if I'm planting it into a metal container or if I'm taking an old bean can and I put my tree into a bean can, well, am I paying that tree reverence? Am I showing reverence for age? I'm yeah. not. I'm showing that that tree's garbage, you know? And so it's, uh, there, there comes a point where you you poison one ideal with another. And so that finding that balance, you know, I, a, a potter, there's a potter that comes to mind, Tom Benda. If you look at Tom mm-hmm. Benda's pots, beautifully traditional, and yet there's there's subtle nuances that elevate them to contemporary works. And I don't know, I can't put my word, I can't put words to it. I can't, you know, say why his pots maintain the traditional form. But he includes modern geometries and things like that, that look very, very uh, boundary pushing and yet make me feel very safe in my comfort zone, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I definitely
0: have an appreciation for Tom Benda work too. I can mm-hmm. see that in his work. I mean, that's another thing. It's like how you said, uh, as soon as you told, like I look at Tom Benda's some of his works on that and you're like, oh, that's a little, that's a little out there, but it does feel like a container. It does feel like if you put a really well refined tree with, with, you know, intention in this, it would work. It would be, it would, you know, you would have you yourself as the bonsai artist, would have to select that piece given what you're trying to do with it. Um and I think that's really what I would like to see more of. Um uh and I would like to see more like that in my own collection and stuff that I'm doing. But uh but yeah, but bring up the the last the last topic uh we'll we'll finish on this sweet note. And I know it's it's hard to hard to kind of wrap this up, but let's try to see if we can give a give a uh, an honest opinion uh th- this one's a little bit of a harsh one it's like is bonsai art i hear this come up in conversation between other people who do bonsai and the way that we look at bonsai as the approach of it is is more of like is it hobby does it go into a just strictly like worksman craft like a craftsman's uh, t- uh skill where's is, where where is the art in it like is it art i mean that then that's a very philosophical question on it but it is. What do you? yeah
1: um you know for me i i can't i don't know i don't know if i can if I'm, i don't know how do i really answer that to a, a an accurate degree i can only say like my experiences with this and i can mm-hmm. say that for me it, it's, it's it doesn't feel very artistic most of the time it feels very much like i'm following very well defined formula And um, it feels more like the beauty of math is what it feels like. Like if you see a a Fibonacci sequence, a spiral, you know, and if you can appreciate that and just see the math behind it, bonsai to me is the same thing, you know, and, and to me that's comforting because that means anybody can do it. Nobody's going to be born better at it than anyone else. Anybody can learn the formula. Um, But I also don't think that's all that bonsai is. Uh, I feel that bonsai to me has always felt more like a martial art, but as I was just saying, I think now there are ways that I'm seeing that you can push the envelope forward and kind of enjoy it more artistically. And I think finding that line where you're, where you're, like I said before, where you're not losing your identity, but you're pursuing new ground you know taking on new ground and maintaining the what bonsai is yeah
0: and i and i I think uh just like all art is is subjective uh in that way do you do you look at bonsai and feel moved do you look at bonsai and only see the precision and the technique like you know that's kind of something uh i would ask the the listeners to kind of go and do is kind of like go look at your trees and see what, what moves you about your trees? What technical things have you done to your trees that may just felt like that was what you were supposed to do. It was the right thing to do with that piece. Um,
1: that's a great or, point.
0: Or, or I mean, are we practicing bonsai as an art form or as a, as a discipline? Um, so, yeah, that's what I would challenge listeners to go do. And you can say, okay, I should remove this branch, but this branch does X for me for this tree. It does something for, for me in this tree that makes it not feel like every other tree on the bench that I would pass by. Uh, I think that's part of my art that I kind of look at it for too. But uh, formerly mentioned, it was just like textures, colors, uh, and use use of the material. And I think it does make bonsai more of an art than a practice in my opinion, but it is an opinion and artist objective. So it, you know, some people look at the trees that I have in my backyard and they'll go, Oh, those are nice that those, you know, sometimes they won't even recognize them as bonsai because of the idealized form. But if you have trees that are outside of that idealist form in bonsai and somebody looks at it and they're like, wow, this is, this is really special. This is cool. What is, what is this? And that's where I think bonsai breaks that barrier. So, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's good. I think my brain's going to hurt for a little while on yeah, this one. <laughs> There's so much more to learn in bonsai. Obviously, as we move forward, uh, there will be more and more, uh, stuff to, to look at in bonsai, uh, with the use of being able to simply search things and look things up. Uh, that's something that will help bonsai move forward for sure is this access to all these things now. So I think bonsai is going to still evolve into the art form uh, that, that, you know, that we see now. I mean, I, I can't wait to see what the next coming years, you know, decades could be in bonsai. Uh, So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it has a bright future. I think, Um, and I I think, you know, like we said, is you can practice it and enjoy it and view it however you want. Uh, And you just got to, I guess uh, on a closing note, something that I'm also working towards is sometimes you just have to tune out all the other voices and just listen to your own voice. And, you know, that's it. Yep. You know, don't be worried about what, what would so
0: and so come and say about your tree? You know, what, yeah, what do you say right. about your tree? You know, but yeah, I think that's a good one, Mike. Uh, yep. Yeah. So thanks for talking about art versus, uh, craft with Boneside today. That would be yeah, it for sure, today's man. episode, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll talk to you
1: on the next one. Yeah. So we'll see you guys, uh, next week, I believe, or whenever the next episode comes out.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That is one of the things, uh, before we wrap too quickly here yeah, that's a good mention. Uh, me, Mike and Carmen are trying to keep consistent on a weekly basis now. So yeah, uh, we have the, the, the previous episode is going to be coming out the day we record this. So, uh, yeah, we're going to try to stay on schedule. So, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Excellent mention. Yeah, we'll we'll keep up to date. All right, Mike. All right,
1: Mr. Evan. Well, I will catch you next week. Be on the, catch you on the flip side. All right, buddy. <laughs> Talk to you later.